When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I'm Lee Salisbury and welcome to Soap from the Box, the podcast where I interview some of the UK's leading actors. I directed them in some of the country's biggest continuing dramas and am now friends with them. And yes, it is Wednesday and this is a bonus special edition because everyone in England is going into lockdown tomorrow and I thought we all needed a bit of cheering up. And also because the world's longest running drama serial, Coronation Street, is going to be 60 in a month's time. So I thought let's get the ball rolling and let's get a Coronation Street star on for this bonus edition of the podcast. Enjoy. Okay, so my guest on the podcast this week is someone who our paths have constantly crossed in life. She was in Emmerdale, but I missed her and I joined Emmerdale. She was on Dancing Ice and Dance with Dan Whiston, who I'd known dancing with other people, but I missed her. But then finally, when I joined Coronation Street, our paths aligned. Hello, Hayley Tamadon. <laughs> I feel like I've known you forever. I know. I mean, we have now, I suppose, but we were kind of, I think we knew each other from other people and we we did already know each other, but like working together seems to have like taken ages, didn't it? Until we finally did. Did we never work together on Emmerdale? Are you definitely 100% sure? Yeah, no, because I mean, we'll get to those stories. That was way before, that was not way before me because you're not that, um, you're not that old. I'm older than you, but no, we you're definitely didn't older work. Than me. I don't believe that for a second. I mean, let's not go into age, Hayley. We don't want to get into that on the I podcast. I'm older than you. When were you born? Go on. 1977. Oh, you are a year older than me. <laughs> yes. This is a good start to the podcast. Today we're going to talk half and half, really, about the character. And there's two characters, because you've been in two soaps. And then the real you as well. So we're going to start with Emma Dale. Yes. Obviously, you played Delilah Dingle. You joined in July 2005. Now, A, you joined Emma Dale, and B, you joined the Dingles. I mean, that's a double whammy, isn't it? It was literally... A life-changing moment. I, I, I couldn't have wished for for anything better. I'd been so trying desperately to change over from theatre to telly, and it was it was really difficult to do. I was in a brilliant musical called A Chorus Line at the Crucible, and Sue Jackson, who used to cast Emmerdale, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, she actually came to watch the show, and I got myself a new agent because of that show, who did a lot more TV. And she just happened to be speaking to Sue about the show. And Sue went, oh, my God, I went to see it. Which is your girl? And and Elizabeth said, oh, Hayley Tamadon. She said, oh, we must get her in for a casting for Emmerdale. I really liked her. And it started off like that. And then it was Faye Styring who I eventually met. And I, I love Faye. She's a wonderful casting director. And She's I, still at Emmerdale casting. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, she's brilliant. And I have I have them to thank for everything. You know, I went in and um, I, I auditioned for a different part and I ended up getting the role of Del Dingle. Which often happens, actually, doesn't it, in television? That's often the case. And I mean, I, I remember reading when I, when I did Hollyoaks, there's a handbook that they give the cast. And one of the 
this profound sentence is just kind of in the middle of the handbook that says, once you join this show, your life will change. And being young that you were but joining, I mean, it really does, doesn't it? The minute you're on screen in a soap, yeah. it's like I say it's bigger. It's bigger than like most C-list Hollywood stars in a way in this country. Absolutely. And especially because I, I'd always wanted this. I've been, you know, I've trained my whole life since being a child for for theatre, for telly, for, you know, this is what I live and breathe. So to get the, a role that was going to be life changing for me, I was like, well, how, how will it happen? And I tell you what, I was walking down the road with my friend and we saw this white van man, you know, like a, a DIY van. And he was sat reading the Daily Star. And my friend went, oh my God, that's you. <laughs> a double page spread of like 10 pictures of me. And I couldn't believe it. And we went into the newspaper shop and there it was all over the front cover. I mean, how does that feel? I mean, in a way, this is really bizarre, right? Because we talk about this and in a way, as we know, Fame is kind of a double-edged sword, but I mean, you'll never get over the, the excitement, surely, of seeing you yourself in a paper, even if it is the Daily Star. Yeah, the Daily Star. It was, it was honestly, it was so exciting. I mean, I rang my mom, I rang everyone, <laughs> you know, said it's, you know, it's happened, and and then and then, then I was on screen, and the minute you're on screen, it's almost another change because then people in the street start to recognize you, but they don't know who you are. They don't know Haley. They just know Del Dingle. Yeah. So if Del Dingle's up to mischief and stealing money off people and, you know, doing they're, that, they're hiding their handbags as they walk past you. That's exactly it, right? And you've got people then shouting, Oi, Del, give me my money back. And, you know, awful <laughs> things like that. It had a bit of an adverse effect on me. I, I thought this was everything I'd always wanted. And I didn't think I would shy away from it at all. But I actually started suffering panic attacks. I was terrified yeah. to go out. I, on a weekend, would just lock myself in my house. I didn't deal with it as as well as I thought I would. I don't think anyone can prepare for that. I mean, I think so many people think it's great to be famous. And obviously, there's upsides to it. But... I think if you say to anyone, right, you know, you're feeling hungover or you're feeling ill and you want to pop to the shop. I mean, it just changes your life like that because you're going to be stopped. You're going to have, I mean, especially nowadays that everyone's a journalist. Everyone's got a phone. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that is profoundly kind of going to have a, an effect on your mental health, I think. And that's coming to light now a lot more, isn't it? Because you joined, obviously, before social media yeah. was around as well. So, yeah. I mean, it's for younger cast members now, it's got harder and harder, hasn't it? Oh, so much harder, especially having social media around. I think social media, as wonderful as it is in one respect, is really can be quite detrimental on your mental health. And I'm a bit of a an advocate for this. I constantly talk about it because it isn't real social media. It's not real life. What you see is in, in pictures of people with their happy lives and the celebrities that are all looking brilliant and happy, full of faces, full of makeup and blah, blah, blah. It isn't real life you know it's a mask isn't it and well I think we all know like no one posts you know you don't post on Facebook if you're having the worst day in the world and you and you know you're having your worst meal you know you, you you always put the best of the best on there and I think people you're so right people like believe that all these people's lives are constantly Perfect. this amazing yeah but I try to I try to do the other thing I try to post when things aren't right and I post without my makeup on and you know all those things because especially for the younger generation not just in this industry but the younger generation that look up to people in this industry I I want to be a bit more of a better role model you know I, I've not always been perfect I, I've been no angel in my life at all but I think 
growing up in this industry, the older I've got, the, the more I realize that when I was younger, I, the people I looked up to, thank goodness the people I looked up to were people like Bonnie Langford, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's, who literally is perfect. Yeah, she's absolutely perfect. She was wonderful in every way, you know? Yeah. Looking up to Mary um, Poppins. So, Emmerdale, though, you were the 30th Dingle family member, so you were around number. But, I mean, what was it like just going in? Because the Dingles still, to this day, are obviously the most renowned family in Emmerdale. I mean, that itself must have been like, Wow. It was the most daunting, daunting, exciting thing ever. I remember going in on my first day and just meeting the Dingles themselves, you know, and being... And who was there? Remind us who was there when you joined. Well, they were all there. The Zach, Lisa... Jeff. Was Jeff there when yeah. you joined? Yeah. Yeah. Jane Dingle, yeah. And then after a year of me being there, little Belle Dingle joined... Oh, and Eden now. I mean, you look at her now. I what you know when I watch it now. It's like, oh my god. Well, it's crazy. I used to babysit her. I used. I know. To... I find it really weird when she's doing storylines. She's in a love triangle. I'm like, what? You you can't be. Yeah. Are you not still six? When I look at you, and oh, she was my little sister. I adored that girl. Adored her. It was just wonderful. I was part of what I think is probably the best family in soap history. The Dingles are just incredible, just brilliant. And every storyline I had was fun and funny and I worked with some great people and it taught me a hell of a lot, you know. I'm kind of an excited little um, chimp. I, I Everything I go into, I'm full of energy and I'm full of excitement and, you know, I ran headfirst into that, quite literally, may I add, because I literally on the first day of set ran up the stairs in the dingles, not knowing was it, what was at the top of the stairs. And you Which to let everyone know it's nothing. Yeah, you film there, so you know. And yeah. At the top of the staircase, there is a, a full, like, eight-foot drop on the other side. Yes, nothing there. Well, I didn't know that. So they said, action, and I had to run up the stairs. Well, I fell because I nearly fell Did off. Did you fall off? Oh, my God. And I fell at the top and I hit my head and I had a crown on, a wedding dress and a crown, and I dug, the crown dug into my scalp and I had to go to hospital on oh the first day and have my head stitched. Well, you know why? When I joined them now, the Dingles, when I joined, has a massive board up so there's not a drop. And obviously that's the legacy of Dale Dingle. That is why they immediately put that board up because they couldn't believe I'd done it. You know, <laughs> I was the same as you when I joined as a director, and I was just, and I know what telly's like, but you kind of still don't imagine what it's going to be like. So I kind of just thought that everywhere was in the houses. Yeah. And I, couldn't, I couldn't believe that you walk in. So, again, for people listening, when you go in the pub, it's just a vast, empty, cold shell. Yeah. And you've got, I think it's in Pear Tree Cottage, is like makeup. The cottage next door is wardrobe. And when you join, you're just like, this is crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. It's just wonderful, you know, and I don't think that kind of that feeling of being on a studio set, it never gets boring. It's always no. exciting. Every set I go to, you know, the same with uh, Corrie, I, I look around thinking, this is just incredible. For me, it's a bit like what I imagine Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to be. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like you've got a golden ticket to work on one of these shows. You're like, you cut, because obviously I'm sure you did the same. I took all my family there. And I mean, my mum was just, you know, I could not believe she was 
on the cobbles and in the Emmerdale village. Yeah, it's just the most amazing thing to be part of, especially my my parents, you know, they literally watch soaps religiously. We're from Blackpool, you know? Yeah, we're from a northern girl. Yeah. So Corrie and Emmerdale, that's it. That's what we watch all the time. I used to be a Corrie tour guide. Can you believe it? Did you? Yeah, I used to be in Blackpool when I was 16. They opened the Coronation Street set indoors in Blackpool. It was a pure replica and they built it for the Corrie stars to film indoors on rainy days. That's what they initially built it for. Oh, right. And what happened was they found that this the, the commute was too long and they ended up not using it. And so it was just turned into an indoor studio um, set and it, and it lasted years. It was there for years. And I was a tour guide there. That's amazing. Well, that goes with the story. My favourite story of any cast, actually, is Lacey Turner in EastEnders used to work on Wood Market outside the studios. Oh, and my God. I always say she dreamed of entering those gates and now obviously became one of the biggest stars in there. So weird. that must be so surreal and same for you. But you, um, you kind of went in. You had a few men. You had a one-night stand with Carl King. Yeah. What's it like doing your first, like, kiss on telly? Because I always think suddenly, you know, you've done theatre and whatever, suddenly you've got cameras there and stuff. How do you how do you cope with knowing, right, oh, my God, I'm kissing someone today? Yeah, it's, it's weird, that, isn't it? Because what job do you go to yeah. in your normal life? You don't, you don't go to work at, you know, in the Halifax Bank and sit down next to your colleague and give him a snog, do you? Do you? And you probably spoke, you know, everyone spoke. You know Tom Listy, who plays Carl, is married with kids. So it's yeah. like you kind of know all about them and then suddenly you've got to kiss them. And yeah. How yeah. do you prepare for them? Like, did you talk? Do you talk to the other actors before you do scenes like that? Well, I I did talk. No, I'm quite open. I like to be quite open and honest with people. And I I just ask the questions. You know what? How how do we do this? What do we do? I I heard from other people that usually you don't use tongs unless yeah. it's like you know unless you're told to or it's full on. But you know this is a family show, and so it's just a kiss, really, isn't it? And yeah. um, there was a couple of raunchy scenes with. Um, Matthew Wolfenden I had to do with one of them I had to wear like this lacy underwear and get in bed with him and I was terrified and I remember that day thinking god I'm so utterly nervous of this well because again people are listening it's not like you know you've got a crew of like 40 people there they're adjusting lights around you even as a director it's so embarrassing I find to direct those scenes because again it's just very very weird scenario seeing you friend and colleague suddenly coming out in lingerie and you're like right okay yeah, yeah. and there's you no move your hand down there a bit because the shot do you know what I mean not in a rude way but it's like you know it's all so technical in the end isn't it oh yeah it's like that scene from um love actually oh, the, um, love, love actually where, where um yeah martin the guy from the office yeah. and, yeah, page are doing the stand-ins i kid you not it's just like that you have to hold. And sometimes, the, this is the worst bit for me, is when they go, can you just lean in for the kiss? Don't actually kiss, but your lips are almost touching so we can just get the lighting right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to stay there for five minutes. And you're like, this is so awkward. I mean, it's only as awkward as you make it. You've got to just have a laugh, really, about it. And um, and everybody's different. Every person you work with is different. I remember I've worked with people that are more nervous than others. And I've done a lot of theatre, which helped, you know, because I've, ki- I've kissed people on stage. But when you kiss people on stage, there's music behind it and it's all twinkly and romantic and the lights are dark and there's an audience. And, you know, nobody makes you do it 
eight times. Should we just do no. that? We should take that again because the lighting wasn't quite right and you've got to- I mean, I always think this as an actor, right? I, I think that theatre, I mean, there's such different mediums, but I always think probably for an actor in theatre, you'd get lost in that character for two hours, oh. you know? And with television, you don't do that. So it, do you know what I mean? So it is more, I suppose, uncomfortable because on theatre, you just get to get, you know, get into that character for two hours. But on set, you're constantly going from Hayley to Dell to Hayley to Dell. Yeah. It's really hard. It's really hard. I get nervous about those moments, but I do thrive off them. I think they're, they're fun to do. And then you also went, you got one of the luxuries, which never happens anymore. You went to Spain with the Dingles oh, for the special. I know. I mean, that's incredible because, um, you know, gone are those days. I mean, that must have been amazing, packing up. How long did you go to Spain for? Was that a DVD special? Was that one of the... Yeah, we did a yeah. deal. We went to Spain for a week and we... We were expecting it, you know, thinking it's going to be beautiful weather. We're going to have the best time. It rained every day we were there. Oh, no. Trying to film around the rain. And, oh, gosh, it was so difficult. But we managed it. And it was it was fun. It was so much fun. And what I, and also, I think, because obviously in the village, you know, that's why they built the post-built village, because, you know, we didn't have public there to stop filming. I mean, when you suddenly go to Spain and Emmerdale was... Obviously, it's a huge show. I mean, did, was it? Did you find it really difficult? Did you have loads of people just stopping you the whole time? Yeah, I. You know, when I when I was in Emmerdale, I I never really um, uh, you know, when a, when a, an actor gets loads of scenes to do, and you're like a big storyline or whatever. When I was in Emmerdale, I think I didn't really un- understand that very much. And in that that Spain time, the story was pretty much a lot of it was me and so I was running around Spain with Tom Lister like doing a horse and carriage scene where we're in a horse and carriage and ride through Spain and be filmed and it was like the biggest story ever you know and I look back and think wow I don't think you do I mean everyone that I'm speaking to on this podcast I think everyone takes it in after I think that's life actually you take because even as a director you know I you go on set your first day and you just get on with it, don't you? And then afterwards, you're like, wow, that was incredible. Yeah, it's huge, huge. I was blessed with some really, really big storylines on Emmerdale, you know? When I think about it, just to be a dingle, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just everything, isn't it? I couldn't well, you'll go down. I think what's nice is that you will go down in history. Do you know what I mean? In one of our shows, one of the bread and butters shows of, of Britain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I'm waiting for it to come back. She needs yeah. to come back and just cause a bit of havoc. Yeah, she does. We're in this age of like people, everything's coming back at the moment. So we need yeah. to start a campaign, get Dale back. Oh my God, I'd love it. I'd love it. She, she could cause havoc with Mandy Dingle, I think. Yes, because Lisa's back. Yeah. So I mean, we go on and on about Emmerdale, but you've also done, I mean, just another little programme. <laughs> Coronation Street, yeah. playing Andrea Beckett from 2013 to 2015. That's where we worked together. So... You joined uh, Corrie. Obviously, that must have been, again, just incredible, joining Coronation Street. Oh, it was just a dream. A dream, honestly. I mean, do you know what happened with this? When my agent rang and said, you've got an audition for Coronation Street, I said, well, I'm not going. And he said, why not? And I said, because I've already done Emmerdale. They're never going to pick me. Oh, really? Yeah. I said, why would they want me in two soaps? They're never going to choose me. I don't want to go and feel embarrassed if I don't get it. And he said, but they've asked for you. They've asked you to go. And he said, you're doing it, Hayley. You're going. And I went with this attitude of they're never going to choose me. And so it was all. You kind of probably didn't get nervous. And- That's it. That's it. Because I just, I had it in my head that, that I wouldn't get it. 
And of course, there, there I got it, you know. <laughs> and I got on set, and um, yeah, I had to do my uh, my audition on set with uh, Simon Gregson and Craig Charles, who was Steve and Lloyd, Steve and Lloyd, and that was scary as hell because these two characters I've grown up watching on telly, and I used to have a picture of Simon on my wall when I was a kid. I mean, I have told him that now, but mortifying that he was on my wall when I was a teenager. <laughs> Well, I mean, I was, I mean, I was, when I joined EastEnders, I said to Letitia Dean, like, I've still got the signed photo that I wrote and asked for, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. It's hilarious, isn't it? Because we all do, we all grow up loving those shows. Yeah. So, um, and that's how, that's how Andrea came in as a friend of Steve and why we're here, actually. The little quiz on Andrea. Can you remember what uh, course you were on when you both enrolled at college? What were you studying? We're not studying English. No, history. Oh, you're bad at this, Hayley. <laughs> We're not gonna, you're not going to get booked for the chase now. God, no. <laughs> but then you st- soon fell for Steve's best friend, as we said, because that's who you auditioned with as well, Craig Charles, um, who's a legend as well, obviously. Yeah. I mean, the, how was that? Because that partnership was great. I mean, I'm, I honestly think they never made the most of you in Coronation Street um, as Andrea. And was that hard, I suppose, after playing such an you know, an established character in the end, like Dell, and then playing a character because, you know, I think this is the thing with soaps. You can get a little bit lost, can't you? If you're not given that, you know, you're not playing the bitch or you're not playing the. Yeah. If you're playing a normal person, which I know sounds really weird, but Andrew was a normal person. It's quite hard, actually, isn't it? Yeah, I think what they tried to do was initially, I think they were going to put me with Steve, and then they changed their mind because I was only meant to go in for uh, three months. That was that was the initial contract, and then oh right, okay. And then they asked me to stay on for another three months. So I did six months, and then after that, they said we would love you to stay on. What we're going to do is change the storyline around so we can keep you, which was amazing. You know, I can't, yeah, oh, I incredible. Yeah. I ended up yeah, I was there for two and a half years after that. So they put me with Craig, which I loved. It meant I got to do all the comedy stuff, which is my my thing anyway. And all the, all my scenes were with Craig and Simon and uh, Sue Cleaver in the cab office, um, which was just brilliant. Um, and Les Dennis as well, who I loved working with. Oh, Les Dennis was one of the ones I was like, oh my God, this is incredible, Les Dennis. Yeah, it was so much fun. We had a ball. And I did have some great stories. It's just, I think they, I don't know, Craig went, off and did the jungle and and after that he had some time off and then my character never really had anywhere to go because Craig wasn't there and so eventually they just kind of let us both go and it was a shame you know I I felt like I had so much more to give at Corrie. Uh, Oh totally and it's never the actors I just think it is that that is so that sometimes they you know some characters they just don't know what to do with in a way because I I remember right speaking to one of my friends who's a storyline and everyone could do this at home so I'm sure everyone listening would go Oh, well, it's easy to come up with stories. Now, if you actually just sit back and go, right, well, think of a story for Gail. You know, you sit there and actually, you know, she's when you think of it's really bloody hard because affairs are easy. You know, affairs, right, that's the easy storyline to do. But anything else actually is really hard to come up with a long running good story for someone. Oh, my gosh, the writers are incredible on these shows, you know. They have so much work to do. And the stories they come up with are always so brilliant. And, you know, it, it just... The way it happened for me, it happened, and I'm not at all bitter about it. Just bring me back for crying out loud. Yeah, both of them. I mean, you can share your time. You can you can do a week there and a week there. Right, I know. And you did get to do a stunt, didn't you, on the top of the Rovers as well? Oh, that you had to 
with Tim Metcalf, who John, Johnny, I love as well. Tell us about that. That was so much fun, you know. They asked me how I'd feel about doing this thing where I was falling off the roof of the Rovers. And, and I was like, yes, but I want to do my own story. Well, and we know now with your experience of falling, uh, that, you know, you, you've got that experience. <laughs> I said, can I do my own stunts? And they went, not really. And I said, no, no, no. honestly, I want to do my own. I want to do it. I'm more than capable. And I want a crown on. Yeah, yeah. And they, they brought the um they brought the stunt guys in who are just superb, aren't they? They're just amazing. Oh amazing, yeah. Um, and they there's all these wires on top of the roof. Now I'm terrified of heights. I'm terrified. So when I was up there, you know, I was like, What have I said yes to? But we did it and it was so brilliant. And then there was one bit where they had to have me hanging from the guttering. Oh my god. Um, and then the guttering was to snap and I and, and I was to drop. And I got up there and I said, I'm going to do the most of it myself. And then they were a bit scared about one point. They they brought in the stunt girl to do one little bit. But the rest of it, I did myself. So it is all me apart from one tiny shot, which was really scary. And I'm glad I didn't do it in the end. because. Um, and actually, we have to tell people at home, like when you get stunt people, what is can be hilarious. And this has happened to me a few times directing. It might not be a person of the same sex. <laughs> yes. I know. Sometimes. It was luckily. Um, it was a girl. Yeah, it was a girl. They they put a dark wig on her, and we did look quite similar from the back. Um, it's great when you do look similar because when I did EastEnders, get Barbara Windsor's double was the looked like her, and between takes they were laying out cardboard boxes for the people to fall on. We kept everyone kept shouting, "Barbara, stop! Just sit down!" Because we saw this stunt woman arranging all the boxes, thinking Barbara Windsor was was kind of trying to do oh job. God. <laughs> Um, and were you there for the old were you on the old set of Corrie as well I was yeah yeah because I directed the last day at that and I, I don't know whether you were there actually that day but um I think as well it changed didn't it when we went to the new place I mean it's still an amazing show but that magic of that old Granada studio was amazing wasn't it there I think I think if you'd have been there um you know a long time on Corrie and working a long time you felt that I'd done other shows in the Granada studios at, uh, for telly so I'd been in there many a time doing shows and it was magical don't get me wrong but I actually loved the move um, oh did you I did I loved the new building it was it's such a wonderful place it's spacious and it was just great and I love the area you know so so for me that's how I felt about it but I know a lot of people were just so gutted when they left the office. I mean it was yeah I love the new place I mean for you it was great because you got better dressing rooms as well and kind of the green room was amazing wasn't it it was yeah. a much nicer place I suppose what it was for me is that it's just when you move I think when you go on the old street and you just know it's just that history isn't it and yeah. you just think I suppose it's now building a new history yeah on the new yeah and then one more question can you remember your first line in the show I mean I've, I've gone out there and done my research here you know my first line can you remember it no no do I not just walk in and say I always Steve about or not you said, almost you said can I'll have a dry white wine please Michelle <laughs> oh is that what I said which I love that it's just such a classic soap line isn't it just asking for a drink in the pub I'll have a dry white wine please Michelle there we go. You heard it recreated here, everyone. And then, as we said, you left. And, you know, part of the reason was Craig going. And again, that's, I suppose it's hard, isn't it, in telly, when you've got a partnership? Because that is how sometimes things happen. Oh, I sobbed. I sobbed like a baby. They brought me in to say that Craig had, you know, wanted to leave. He had other, other commitments and stuff. And, and that they were going to write us out together in the, um, in the uh, live episode. Um, 
and I was like, well, how amazing that they're letting me go in the live episode. You know, that's yeah. such a, a great way to I think go. we used to laugh about this because we were like, you could easily just not go. Yeah. It's live. <laughs> you know what? Everyone was telling me to do that. <laughs> yeah. You just just do this big announcement. We, I've just bought number 10 for us. Yeah. Everyone was saying it's live, Hayley. Just turn around and go, do you know what? I've actually changed my mind. <laughs> yes, I've just bought number 10. And can you believe it? I'm going to run the pub. <laughs> <laughs> what, would that would have have what would they have done if only that probably, I mean, you probably wouldn't have worked again no. to be honest it's probably a bad idea, but it still would have, that would have still gone down in history i know but it was a great way to leave you know i just didn't want to leave when they told me i was going i i literally sat there and went no please yeah, yeah but again you've been part of one of the biggest shows in our history which is incredible isn't it yeah i have you know and Corey really has a special place in my heart definitely I kind of did a full circle being a tour guide and then ending up in the show you know and I, I I'm just blooming grateful you know I got to do two of the best shows on TV I know it's incredible So let's go to you. You were born, as we've said, you worked in Blackpool. You were born in Blackpool in 1977, which we've also established that you're a year older than me. You went to Montgomery High School in Blackpool. Yeah. Do you remember your first part in a play or a production? Oh, my God. I was on the stage at three. I mean, God, that's amazing. I can see that in you. Yeah. I mean, jazz hands from <laughs> born doing jazz hands. Um, yeah. Three years old, I think I was when I got on my first stage and I've just been on it ever since <laughs> and do you remember what was your first professional job then because you've done well let's just talk about theatre you've done so much you've done Grease as Frenchie Chorus Line as Diana Boogie Nights Mamma Mia Fame played Janet in the Rocky Horror Show I mean spam a lot mm-hmm. I mean you could not have done that's a <laughs> bloody impressive list of stuff thank you thank you I, I was um I was actually uh labeled a bit of a reject at college um isn't that amazing (laughs) yeah I had no help like leaving college I didn't I I wasn't given an agent you know I wasn't one of those girls that walked out of college and walked straight into a job I was the girl running around Soho knocking on people's doors with my in those days in the 90s you had your CVs and your your, your headshots and you put them through people's letterbox and if you were very lucky someone might have opened the door to you you know and that was what I did and then I went for an open or audition for fame the musical and when I say open auditions if people don't know what they are they are um well in in the 90s you could be looking at over a thousand girls turn up and queue around the block of the theater to audition for fame and these are people without an agent so this was me and I went and how did you find like how I mean I think of X-Factor and those things what is it like being with a thousand because it's not a thousand normal people in a way like these people are hungry aren't they Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, they're they're hungry. They're older than you. They're younger than you. They're prettier than you. They're thinner than you. <laughs> you know, it's all of those things you got to contend with. And I, I was quite ballsy when I was younger. I think I still am now a little bit, but back then I was always the the, the kid that was like, right, I need to stand on the front row to be noticed because I'm so yeah. tall. So I would just push my way to the front and stand on the front row. And in Fame, I got a recall, and. That, and that was your first, so that was your first big open audition. First open, big open audition. That, that Brilliant, was amazing. In the West End. Yeah. And um, I got a recall and then I got another recall and I thought, oh, 
I'm doing all right here. And so I went to an agency and I told them I was on my third recall for fame. And they signed me up there and then. And I was just, you know, that was amazing. And look, I got it. Um, Out of all these thousands of women, I, I got to play understudy to the to the three female leads of the show. Wow. Um, so, yeah. And, and again, for people listening, does that mean you had to learn the three lead parts? So I learned the three female lead parts, wow. all, all of that, all of their scripts, songs, dialogue, everything. And also the four um, female dancers, I understudied them as well. So, oh, my God. And did you, were you ever tempted to push one of them off stage and break their legs? <laughs> <laughs> You don't need to in musicals because it's so demanding. It's such hard. Yeah. That people get injured all the time. So I was on every night as a different character. Oh, wow. Um, amazing. Yeah, I was always... Yeah, that's almost better than playing the lead part because you're playing something different. How brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's such hard work. It's the hardest yeah. job of being an understudy. It's harder than playing the role, I think. And I don't think understudies get enough recognition for what they do because it's a big old task to take on board you know it is and also I think as an understudy you take on that audience thing as well because if I go to the theatre and it's like oh so and so's not in it even if I don't know who they are you're like oh yeah oh I've got the understudy so you're almost the audience you know they're almost you you know you're going out to that in a way yeah and you feel the audience in 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 an odd way feel disappointed but I don't know why because the understudy is usually better than us (laughs) the part you know so um, I did that, and then from then on, I thought I don't want to do this anymore. I I, I need to be centre of attention. <laughs> I, never, I never went for an understudy ever again. I from there on, I just went for parts. And I was. But then, what's good is you. I think all the best people in this industry have, you know, have have earned their place. You know, have done. And I think being an understudy in theatre, you've learnt the craft. You you know, you've been there. It's. I think it should be a bit of a challenge to get to the top. Do you know what I mean? It kind of then builds you as a person. You know, I massively, um, I, I, I'm an advocate for that. I think that people, we climb a ladder in this industry and there isn't an end to that ladder. There's just, there's no end. You can no. go in you keep, and you keep learning and you can learn from everybody. Still at my age and the amount of shows I've done, you know, the last show I did was with some like 18 and 19 year olds who knocked the socks off me. They were that good. You know, and I'm like, how do you do this? And how do you, and I'm learning still. And hopefully they learn from me and I learn from them. And that's how it should always be. You know, you're never the best in this business. No, and I think I think that is totally the mentality. And I think that's why I find it is really hard for people whose first job, say, is to go into a soap because A, it changes your life. But B, I think then there's too much of a, you'll see so many young people in soap leave after a year or so and go to Hollywood yeah. because I don't think they've had that experience of knowing that it's really tough out there. You know, and it it's not the be all and end all, as in, you might be in Emmerdale, but, you know, in other countries, that's not going to mean anything. You can actually stay yeah. here for years and learn more of your craft from other people. And I just think it's it's that hungerness of our society for fame and fortune. And, you know, and I bet so many people who leave so regret doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there are many people now that um, that haven't trained. They've got into TV and they've got no training, no experience or anything. You know what? I'm I'm not one of those people that um, shakes my head at that I think if you if you want to do something you go for it you know yeah totally oh yeah if, if you need to if you audition for the voice or for x factor because you're not getting noticed elsewhere then go for it live your dream that's what it's about but also at the same time once you get there you need to stay grounded and you need to be humble and that that I think 
I, that's I, the hardest bit. That's the hardest lesson to learn. And yeah, yeah. it's not anyone's fault when they don't. But I mean, again, people listening, I can't, I'm saying this and I'm not in that position. I never have been, but I've got a bit of it when I direct big shows and it does go to your head a little bit and you yeah. have to keep bringing yourself back. I, I definitely did it. You know, I, the things have definitely gone to my head, but I've been knocked down a peg or two by bigger people. And I, yeah. I've learned my lesson when I was younger. And, you know, now I, I'm like, you know, you've got to stay humble. You've got to stay grounded because on the people you meet on the way up, you're always going to meet them on the way down. And that's so true, everyone listening. TV, TV and theatre is not a big world. It's no. a very small world. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, stage, we could go on for ages because you've done all of those amazing things. But then you were in one of my favourite shows ever as well. You played uh, Callista in, is it Callista? Yeah, Shameless. In Shameless. Yeah. Were you there with James McAvoy? No. Um, oh, okay. He'd gone when I was doing it. I was there with... Sally, who's now in Corrie. And were you there with Kelly Hollis as well? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that was just, I'm bringing Shane up because that's so different than soap. I mean, what was it like working? Because very edgy. Was it remarkably different than doing soap? It was crazy, yeah. I, Sally Carmen was the first person I, I met when I got there to film. And she literally took me under her wing. She was amazing. I loved that girl. And now we are still mates because of that show. And it was just very very different it was slower slower pace because you know soaps are really really quick we can film in a soap you can film you know 14 scenes a day because it's multi-camera yeah you just whiz through it yeah whereas in a drama or you know a tv drama you can just film two scenes a day (laughs) you know it's totally different so yeah it was a much slower pace but I had a great character I was a lesbian and I had to do my first lesbian kiss Amazing. When we were talking about kissing before, you know, that one, uh, that was my first lesbian kiss in Shameless. Um, you just got to go for it, haven't you, you know? Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, moving on from dramas and stuff, you've also obviously, everyone will remember, again, you've gone down in history for your appearance on Dancing and Ice no. for doing that one dance that everyone remembers too. What was the song called? Jai Ho. I mean, I can I can, vis- I can visualise that dance in my head with gorgeous Dan Weston, as I said, who is one of the nicest people on earth. I know. Um, uh, you, you, I mean, you won the fifth series of that. I mean, again, that must have been incredible, you know, because I think that was at the height of Dancing on Ice's, you know, peak of yeah. fame. Um, what was that like? I mean, when that dance, when you did that dance and that reaction happened, I mean, it must be incredible. Well, we weren't expecting that reaction. That's what's so interesting. We were just dancing. We were just doing the weekly routine. So yeah. we absolutely had no idea what what was going to happen afterwards, you know, how many viewers we had for that for that episode. It was crazy. And it and it to this day when people meet me in the street or meet me out, they they want to talk about that. You know, yeah. so wonderful. I and then I always think when you had to go back and because you obviously that was one of your, you know, the the, the dance that you're going to choose to then do in the final which you did. Yeah. Um was the pressure then totally on you thinking, well, I mean, we did brilliantly with this dance and now we've got to do it again. Yeah, it was huge. Absolutely <laughs> huge. And it was huge to start with because we knew it was slightly different. Nobody had done this before. You know, it was a Bollywood routine. It was, it was, it was huge. And the choreography was difficult and I had to do spins in it and everything. And then, yeah, it was to, to try and recreate it. You worry about that, you know? And then when I got asked to do it again in 2014, they said, what routine would you like as your your skate-off routine? You know, every week, if you got in the skate-off, you had to do a routine. And so we said, could we do Jai Ho? And they said, oh, 
Um, maybe, yeah. I mean, let us do it. But luckily, we didn't get to skate off. We didn't get in the skate off anymore. No. So we got to do it in the very, very final Amazing. of Dancing on Ice, which was just incredible. And then, I mean, when you did that, was it really tough mentally and physically, that? Dancing on Ice is one of the, the most challenging difficult things I've ever done let alone the amount of injuries that I got from it that I still have from it but you know things that you've never attempted before in your entire life you're doing you're not just doing on the floor you're doing it on skates I, I mean, know I mean crazy the, the the spinning really makes me sick did you have any bad injuries did you have any cuts I mean I just envision myself skating off someone's fingers Oh, well, they teach you about retracting your fingers. They, that's one of the first things. Oh, okay. that's one of the first things they teach you. If you fall, retract your fingers immediately. Like you, It's like in your brain. But, yeah, I had a big injury in the first um, few weeks of rehearsals. I popped a, a rib. And, it, and the, oh my God, the pain of that is just insane. Um, I oh. pulled both calf muscles. Um, oh and it's not like you're off then for four weeks. You're actually continuing on the show. Keep going. The physio yeah. was amazing. She just, you know, she patches you back together and you carry on. And there was no way I was going off. You would have had to drag me by my hair. You know, I was going to skate to the end of that show and I did. So, yeah, I'm quite determined like that. <laughs> Oh, it was. It, it, again, that go, go down in history is just one of those. I mean, I think that and Todd Carty skating off the side yeah. uh, will be Dancing on Ice's highlights, really. Do you know what I mean? You'll always remember those. And so, Hayley, recently you had, uh, you've obviously had a child, Jasper, yeah. which is obviously a change of life. But you've openly talked about having um, postnatal depression as well, yeah. um, which must be hard because you don't, obviously, no one who has postnatal depression expects it. How is that coming out of that, I suppose? Well, I, I, luckily I am through the other side of it now. It was, um, I, I didn't, you're right. I didn't know I had it. I, I just, I honestly thought I was losing my marbles. I've never suffered depression. I'm lucky that I've never suffered from depression. I read, I've had a lot of therapy. I read self-help books. I'm a very positive person. Anybody who knows me, you know, knows oh, me. Totally right. yeah. I, I mean, it's, say, though, it's sometimes it's those people actually who, are you know you yeah. do suffer and that's why I suppose everyone would be shocked to know in a way that you have even suffered from it because yes. you are such a lovely outgoing person it, it hit me in the face um and I uh, I knew I needed to speak to someone about it and get some help and um I did I contacted a, a wonderful therapist called Sari um and she was just brilliant um and with you know in a matter of sessions with her I I knew what I had to do and I'm through the other side of it now and I think most women who have a baby suffer some sort of postnatal depression, whether they... I think your life totally changes, doesn't yeah, it? You know, they realize like... they've got it or not. Um, yeah. and, and also being able to talk about it, which is so difficult being a mom, because you feel like a failure. The minute yeah. you open your mouth and tell someone you're not coping, you feel like you failed as a mom. It's hard to explain it because until you're a, a mom, it's hard to know what that sensation feels like. But yeah. it just makes you feel crap, you know. And I knew not only did I have to sort myself out, when I was scrolling through Instagram, as we all do, during lockdown, you know, and I'm like, it's making me feel ill Worse, yeah. yeah and looking at all these women with babies that look so perfect and why am I not like that why am I not back in my jeans that I can't squeeze into why have I still got a belly why am I everything was just 
scrolling through Instagram was so detrimental to my mental health. And I thought, if I feel like this, there must be hundreds of moms, new moms that are looking at Instagram, maybe for a bit of help, clarity, you know, to take their mind off things. But actually, all they're feeling is low self-worth and yeah and And it just adds to that and I think that's why I brought it up because I think it's just great for people listening to a you're in that position of very respectful of you coming out and talking about it because you've got that position that people can go oh right she you know she went through it and look at her do you know what I mean so anyone out there that's suffering that and we'll put we'll put some um details on the the podcast page so you can click on and go to any of these charities but and just tell us the project you're doing because you're now doing a project related to this Uh, yeah I'm doing I'm currently we've started a four-week course me and Sari um to help mom and we started it with to do with new moms but we've actually said all parents with kids of any age will benefit from this the advice that Sari gave me was so clear um it was ridiculous and I said to her if you can do this for other mums you will help so many people and for me my part I'm going to do live question and answers via zoom with the mums um themselves so they can talk to me and ask me questions and I am so thoroughly honest now because that's what needs to be on social media we need some honesty from uh people who are well known or celebrities or wherever you want to call people you know we need some honesty so that parents and new mums have got people to look up to you know for honest answers no totally and how do people get how do people do this course is there a we'll obviously put the website as well but is there if you put on them sari taylor's um instagram page they can go direct to her link in her bio right okay we've started this course now but we're actually we've had a lot of requests so we're going to run it again so brilliant so don't feel like you've missed out you can still do it and you know and anyone can always message soap in the box as well and i'll put i'll pass anything on to uh hayley as well well, Hayley, it's been amazing talking to you. Aww. I mean, literally, look at the time. It's gone so quickly because you've done so much. Also, and I'll let everyone know, I haven't let everyone know this, because normally I've met people and we're doing this virtually because it's just been impossible, my side, to meet up with Hayley. So normally I will present you with, and I'm going to send you it, a soap from soap in the box, from the box. Um, <laughs> and the final question is, any character in Emmerdale or Coronation Street, who would you give that soap to to wash away their sins? Sins? Yes. Who needs a good wash down of their dirt and their drama? Ah! Oh my gosh. That's a big question. It is a big question. Oh, let's give it to Daniel Brocklebank because it kind of goes with the sin thing, him playing a vicar. Yeah, I quite like that. That's good. Yeah. And he's had a few sins to wash away in the past. I mean, yeah, he's quite a bad vicar. Yeah. So let's be honest. That's good. Yeah. Oh, well, Hayley, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, darling. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Hayley for being my special guest on this special edition of Soap for the Box. And another little insider thing, actually. I remember seeing Hayley and Linda in Dancing on Ice in the studio. And I remember you were there for about five hours and all you got given as an audience member was a little hot dog. Things have probably changed. I'm sure Holly and Phil have made sure you get a whole hamper now. But there we go. I'll be back in a few days' time with another guest. 
I'll be putting clues at Soap from the Box on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook so you can have a guess at who it's going to be. I'd like to thank David Stevens and the Bothy as usual for their edit and technical wizardry. And just a little one of my favourite sayings actually now we're going into lockdown is it's not about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. It's going to be tough for everyone, but keep smiling. And I'm here throughout with loads of guests to hopefully cheer you up a bit. So take care, guys. (laughs) 